the feeling of the home and that's the return? Or do you want the financial return? Because those those are two different decisions on how you renovate and update a house, especially if you're living in it. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. And today we're getting to dive in with Mr. Dan McKay on how to renovate your first primary residence. I think this is one of the more important topics that anyone can listen to, whether you already own a home or uh, you are looking in 2021 or beyond of purchase your first home because Dan went through that last year and he's going to have a lot of insights and tidbits to share with us today that might help you get off the couch and make that purchase and feel comfortable in doing so. So Dan, welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jason. Well, let's kind of just jump right in and tell us a little bit about how this kind of came about. Why, where were you a a year or two ago that led you to deciding to purchase your first property? And then specifically why you chose to buy a fixer upper versus a turnkey move-in ready house? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I moved to Denver almost exactly two years ago to the day. And I moved here for work. I stayed with the same employer, but just switched positions to an outside a sales rep position from Boston over to Denver. Real estate was much more expensive by a, po- a cost per square foot in, in Boston compared to Denver. So when I started to look, knowing that I want to purchase when I moved to Denver, but not knowing exactly which neighborhood, which style of home was a evolution. And so everything right off the bat looked a lot more affordable compared to what I was looking at and staying in Boston, buying something in that area. So it was something that I chose to rent for the first nine months or so while I kind of got my feet on the ground and decided where I want to, which neighborhood I want to buy in and which style of home. And that's where we linked up. I think it was an evolution from there. I think my first instinct was to buy almost sight unseen, a row home, and it looked great without knowing too much about it. Decided to pull back and then really came to the idea of buying a single family older style a bungalow in a more historic neighborhood versus a lot of new construction area. And that was just based on what I thought would be a more scarce uh, supply over the next couple of years, I think would be uh, maybe a better investment over the, over the long term versus a new build uh, turnkey. I think it just made more sense for what I was looking to do. That's great. What led you to being okay with potentially taking on a renovation project or or historic home essentially means work. It means headache, hassle versus that that turnkey row home, town home that is new build, everything's new. Was there anything you'd like to kind of share that you learned along the way or at least thought through that led you to that? I think picturing where I want to be in in five years, two or five years of looking out and realizing where I thought the market was going to appreciate the most and knowing that it would be uh, something I'd have to kind of in the short term, kind of hold my nose and jump in the deep end. But I think in the long term, I would have been happier with that decision. So I think looking, projecting out at um, long-term profit or long-term happiness versus the short-term turnkey 
was was ultimately came down to. And it was a tough decision, but I think projecting out that I'd be happier in a couple of years having done the historical remodel bungalow versus the turnkey. Yeah. So the pain now and pleasure later <laughs> type of mentality. So, and it, and it sounds like it, that's paying off and that that was ultimately the right decision, would you say? Absolutely. Especially with what maybe has happened over the, in the market over the last nine months with what's going on with COVID, how that affects the market and what would be more desirable during that time. I think no one could predict that, but I, even with during the, what we've gone through the last nine months with pandemic, uh, reinforces that that was the right decision. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, we don't know, you know, ex- exactly where the market's going to project, but we always, always can look back and, and see how it has turned. And ultimately single families have almost doubled the appreciation percentage increase than townhomes during that time frame, at least here in Denver, when you purchase. So just looking at a at a percentage increase, you were correct in your assumption that the single family would appreciate quicker than the townhome that is more of a commodity versus single family that's more of a true home. Exactly. With the trade-off being, if you walk into the turnkey, you get the big double garage, you have the place to hang your skis, you have the TV outlets in the perfect spot. You know, A lot of that stuff is, the layout is really attractive uh, for the short term. But you're right. Versus having to go in and and build something or, re, or refigure something that to make it uh, to make it work. Great. Well, let, let's dive into actually what what you did. Tell us kind of about the house and what you ended up doing, and any numbers you'd like to share, and any insight during that process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, something that we had spoken about uh, when you had we talked about this last year was essentially a house renovation, especially for something that had a uh, bungalow that had been built a hundred years ago and really hadn't been updated at all in the last probably 30 or 40 years. It's a little bit of like giving yourself a uh, COVID haircut. You're trying to kind of even it out. You kind of don't know where to stop. And if you're, if you're not careful, you can end up with um, you know, a shaved head that your barber's going to have to go and fix. So I think in terms of just where to start and think about starting points of the project and having an end point in mind. So with what we did is not too much major layout reconstruction aside from just blowing out a side of the um, a wall of the kitchen to make it an open area. And then from there, adding uh, new floors and windows, paint, uh, doors, basic stuff like that, as well as a new kitchen with countertops and cabinets and all new appliances. That's great. What, what was kind of the original purchase price? What was the overall kind of budget? And what do you project the ARV, which is what we term after rehab value of the project to be? The purchase price was 535. I think the renovation costs was probably between 40 and 40 and 60. And the ARV, I think should be around, you know, 700 fingers crossed, especially getting ready to list it in the next 12 months or so. That's awesome. So 535, but let's just say 50,000 split the split the hairs there. So you're looking at 585 plus maybe some holding costs or some things while, you know, you're yeah. renovating, but you were living there for most of the renovation. Some of it you weren't, but a lot of it you were actually doing kind of a live-in renovation. Is that is that correct? 
Absolutely. Lived yeah. in dust for, uh, for yeah. three months. Yeah. So there, that cost you didn't have of it sitting vacant and you paying rent elsewhere. So, so really that kind of renovation number is, is about it. There wasn't a lot of soft cost per se that, that you had. So that puts you about 585 and 700. You back that out. That's a six figure, hundred plus thousand dollar appreciation value add that you are taking 100% tax-free whenever you go to sell that this next year or two, if you choose to do so, you're at least taking 100,000. So essentially, if you made 100,000 in a normal job that you're taxed at 30 or 40%, let's say 35%, that essentially is $135,000 that you would have made over those two, you would have had to have made over those two years to equate to that. I think anyone say, hey, how would you like a $135,000 pay increase over the next two years? I think anyone would have said yes. And you got that. So you're walking away with over a hundred thousand tax free and you've got to live in a, in a home. So that you like, I I'm taking it, I guess that you, yeah. you like your home now. Oh, love it. It's a great neighborhood. Yeah. Great neighbors. So yeah, it's not all roses, but definitely happy with the neighborhood, the, the home uh, living in it. So it's, uh, it's been nice. Yeah. That's great. So what might be a few things that you would do differently if, if you were to do it over again? Well, I look at I look at doing this. This is my first. You know, I'm probably got started in the game a little bit too late. But if you, it's never too late. I'll politely interrupt yeah, okay, and okay. say it's because if you were here today, still renting, you would have said, "Hey, I'm in it too late." So you can always look back. But you getting in, you you have a hundred thousand dollars that that yeah. a normal person that wouldn't have chose to do that at all wouldn't have had. So never ever beat yourself up about never getting in too late. So it's the best times to get in today. And, and you did so. I meant more age-wise, okay. but in terms of just age-wise, but no, you're absolutely right. I think uh, not trying to time, time the market. I think if you're, I think real estate is a long-term play and it's doesn't have really anything to do with timing a short-term market. I think it's something where you can say uh, investment that you get to, you get paid to learn, which is really exciting. So I look to, you know, whatever profit I'd make on this first primary residence, buy and renovate and sell. It's really exciting for to learn the lessons and learn from this couple of mistakes to be able to get better at it for the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time. So I think it's something that is not uh, something you'd get perfect the first time, but try your best and learn from bigger mistakes. And I mean, if you're the long-term, it's a long-term game and if you can get you know, much better over the course of 30 or 40 years, you're going to be pretty successful. For sure. The average person that's 55 to 68 years old, essentially going into retirement in the US has an average net worth of 168,000. This one particular house, one deal you did puts you almost 65% of the way there that you have the net worth, at least in this house, nothing else that puts you on par with an average 60 year olds net worth in the U S. So that's, that's the power of what the one house. So next time you do it again, and in two single families, you'll have above the average net worth of a 60 year. That's great for you. It's also a little of a bummer that the average, you know, U S 60 year old only has that net worth, but it goes to show the power of real estate. So any, like what's the three takeaways that you will make sure you do or don't do next time? I think being more careful with how much capital I'm putting into it. 
um, and keeping a close eye on that. I think the the return on investment of the dollars I did use aren't going to get beaten in the market. I mean, they're far superior to what you'd get in the market for that same amount. I think there's a way to, to better, just better utilize the ROI by not using as much uh, my own money. I think understanding the time frame. I think we talked about this a while ago about a false summit. Using a hiking analogy, I think just pacing yourself with a with a renovation, especially you're living in, that's a it's going to be longer than you think, and it's fine. And live with that short term, a little bit of short term inconvenience. It's well worth it. So, I think those would be a couple of things I'd I'd keep in mind. That's great. And I and I hear a little bit a noise in the background, and I think this is a perfect. <laughs> scenario of living in a renovation. Cause I, if I'm not mistaken, I think one of your guys is over doing yeah. work in the basement correct or right now, actually, like in real time, he's adding value while you're on a podcast, you're adding value to, to your home, which is through phase two, which is your basement renovation. Yeah. And that's a good point of, of breaking into phases. Maybe if you don't feel comfortable doing it all at once to piecemeal it. And uh, that's why I did about a year apart from the first one, just doing the second one and get ready, that ready to go. So yeah, the basement uh, definitely needs some updating and that's going to be great to add the 500 to 600 square feet of new living space. Then she gives me another living room to, uh, and a bedroom to make use of. So looking forward to, to that being completed. That's great. Right now we're seeing in, in the area where you're currently in, in Denver, anywhere from four to $600 a, a square foot, sometimes even greater on finished basement square footage. So what you, you said 500 square feet or so of, of space. Was that? Yeah, I think around 500. Yep. And then what, what will that budget, are you budgeting for that 500? For cost of the renovation? Yep. I say 10 to 20 okay. to see how that shakes out. Yeah. Okay. So that's I'm doing the math on top of the head, like 20 bucks a square foot renovation cost or something like that. And you're going to be getting a return of four to 600 when that's complete. That's, and again, all going back to the power of, of the owner awk, you're taking that tax free. So that's a pretty, pretty good return. I think you would take that again if you, if you had the choice. Absolutely. For this one was looking at the, the biggest improvements first. So, you know, windows are very outdated. I was very tempted to have a large budget set aside for landscaping and events and updating. I just don't think that that would be the uh, the right place to spend the money when it could go to much better uses first, especially something that increases the, you know, the value of the actual living indoor living space. For sure. Yeah. We see that one of the top things a person could do on a renovation, whether it's your own house or a flip is items that the appraiser will value. And that is number one, finished square feet. That's top thing that they will put down on their sheet is how many square feet of finished livable space that you have. There really isn't a line item, whether you have five shrubs or one shrub. So you don't really, if you go out and add five shrubs, it might add to the overall appeal and the sellability of the home, but it won't add to the actual appraisal value. But adding say five more bedrooms over one bedroom will substantially do that. And I think you're making a very smart play of putting that money into the basement and those updating costs than elsewhere. But I'm guessing though, that since you're living there, it's a little difficult because you don't go in the basement, but you walk in the backyard or the front yard every day. And it's probably a little tough for you to not spend that money to make it look fancy. 
I think a lot of the almost every dollar went to interior renovations, something that my neighbors can't see. So if that's something that's, uh, and I don't, I, I think that that's something that's just 100% fine with it. I'm not improving my neighbor's view, but I can certainly live with that. And it's not, I mean, you know, just the short term, I mean, long term, it's going to be looking great on the outside too. It already does look great, but you're right. The dollars go for what I'm going to be seeing every day versus what my neighbors see walking their dog. Yep. I mean, it, that's a choice though. A lot of people choose to put the money in what makes them feel good, which is the the curb appeal versus the basement that they're not going to really get enjoy, especially if you're going to sell it in a year or so. I think that's a decision that you need to make at the beginning is, do you want the feeling of the home and that's the return? Or do you want the financial return? Because those those are two different decisions on how you renovate and update a house, especially if you're living in it. And I think in five or 10 years when you're out skiing or buying a new set of skis or upgrading your ski pass with all that extra money you have in the pocket, that decision, you'll be a little more thankful, but it is a little tougher in the short term. Exactly. So <laughs> what's next? What's, what's kind of the next, the venture? What's uh, ultimate goal for, for number two? Well, I think I think that kind of looking at kind of casting a wide net. I, I really like uh, investing in in, Den- in the Denver Metro. So looking for different opportunities there. It'd be great to find other exact replica of what I currently have. So looking for something like that, but also to keep learning and taking another step with potentially adding a uh, rental property, either in the Denver area or just just outside of it and learning a little bit more about that side of the real estate. So, you know, I, I think just looking at a couple of different options, but long-term just continuing to learn and, and grow and get a little bit better at this and increase uh, my portfolio over the next, you know, 10 to 20 years. I think it's a long-term play and it's, it's a lot of fun uh, as well. You get to see, you know, you get to look at it versus, you know, investing in a you know portfolio that's growing, you get to actually drive by and see it. it's great. So it's, it's, it's pretty rewarding like that. That's awesome. Let's go ahead and take a, a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll jump right into the final five. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain on average 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. We're back from break. We're with Dan McKay, and we're jumping right into the final five. First one is... What's the most creative value-add real estate deal you've done? I think it has to be the, the current one, uh, my only one. So the primary residence. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's a great one to have. Then second question is, where do you see the market in five years, specifically real estate market? And where do you see your portfolio or what, what you're doing in the real estate game at that point? For Denver specifically, I think, especially with interest rates being low, being an extremely attractive uh, state and city to move to from the coast, I think there's going to be a lot of short-term growth and probably long-term growth too. That's great. And then five years, you still see yourself on, that would be your third. If you, every two years, you get to do yeah. the owner-ock play. So you'll be on your third. Is, is that kind of the goal? Definitely. 
Awesome. And then what's, uh, we normally ask people kind of what their, their give back to the real estate, the value add that they kind of give to the real estate community, anything that you try to do with, with others that are wanting to get into the game? Um, I think just being encouraging about, uh, just jumping off the sidelines and it's a great thing to jump into. So I think just, just encouragement for people who are on the sidelines to just jump in others. It's always the right time to do it. So. Excellent. And what is the best way? Uh, we'll throw something in the show notes of people want to reach out to you and kind of ask a question of, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this, or I'm thinking of pulling the trigger and any advice you might give, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Sure. Probably just LinkedIn, just Daniel McKay, I think. Great. On LinkedIn. Yep. Awesome. We'll throw that in the show notes. And if anyone's interested, they can ping them and reach out. And then for right now, I think this is a, a great first step for you, Dan. We look forward to phase two, phase three, and we've, <laughs> uh, uh, we've enjoyed following along the journey in at least his first phase for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. All right. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.